0: Amen. How many of you love to be in God's house today? Come on, if you love Jesus, give him a hand clap of praise. I want to say that this is an incredible, incredible house. I've enjoyed already just being here and all the people I've met. Uh, I do know that, uh, that your pastor is an incredible leader, him and his wife. Don't you thank God for Pastors Chuck and Karen? Come on, amen. 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 An incredible, incredible gift to the body. But I also want you to know they're an incredible gift to many pastors in the network. They also serve on the executive team as we're ministering. And obviously at the loss of our bishop, we're all rallying around and ministering to each other. But we all carry what he's deposited into us. And I do believe that we're in a significant time uh, of ministry. And I'm so glad to be in Clewiston because I do want to go to heaven. And I'm so glad... <laughs> that now I have arrived in heaven's gates. Amen. When we were coming into town, my, my wife, uh, I was I was born in, in Fort Myers. I lived as a kid in LaBelle, so this is my stomping grounds. I'm out of the swamp. Come on, somebody. I come right out of the swamp. Turn to somebody and say, he can't all be bad. He come from around here. He can't all be bad. But, but let me just say this. We were coming in, and my wife, she seemed... Uh, some uh, sugar cane in the field. She said, oh, they got sugar cane. I said, yeah, they got a little sugar cane around here. She said, I want to get some sugar cane. I said, oh, you could probably get some sugar cane around here. She didn't know we were in the sugar capital of the world right here. Come on, amen. Turn to somebody and just tell them it's a sweet place to live. It's a sweet place to live. Amen. You can be seated in the house. Amen. Thank you so much for having us. I. I'm so blessed to be here. I also want to pass along, Pastor Kathy texted me because she's seen that I was going to be here, and she said, I want you to make sure you share my love with Pastor Chuck and Karen and also the Cluiston family because she loves you, cares for you. I know that you're dear to her heart, so keep her in your prayers, and God's helping and strengthening her, and we just need to keep praying for her and lifting her up. Amen? Amen? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them you look good for the shape you're in. Go ahead and tell them. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen, amen, hallelujah. Uh, you know, today, uh, I know that they've shared it. Today's Pentecost Sunday. Today is Pentecost Sunday. Didn't you enjoy the worship? Don't you thank God for your worship team that lead us into the present? Come on, my man is just spanking them ivories. Did you see that? My man was walking the dog. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> now, you're going to have to laugh, and you're going to have to get with me, or this is going to be a long afternoon. Uh, I, I do want to talk uh, because I do believe that I'm here on an assignment. I'm not here uh, just to have fun, which I believe you have fun on assignments. Come on. Amen. But but I do believe that I do have a, a, something to share and to deposit because I believe as I've been praying and preparing my heart for this time, I, I really believe that God has positioned new harvest for this new season. And I believe that the the, the 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 name of the church is not just a catchy phrase i believe it's a prophetic utterance over the house for the season you're in i believe you're stepping into a new season where there's a new harvest and there's a new anointing being released in the house if you believe it give god praise for it right now amen 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 and what we know is that today is pentecost sunday and we celebrate it because we recognize that uh, 50 days after passover and the resurrection that, that Jesus had told them at the ascension 10 days before the outpouring to go and tarry until they be endued with power. They already had a relationship with Jesus. They already had seen him move. They had already walked with him and talked with him. But there was something missing in their life that they needed for their assignment And I want you to know that we're living in a time where many churches in many places are trying to become so culturally relevant, but they're missing the power of transformation because even though we want things done well, we're not in the entertainment business. We're in the transformation business, and we need the Spirit of God. Come on, if you believe you need the presence of God, give him praise in the house. Amen. Turn to somebody and say, he just started, and he's already messing with me. Amen. Amen. You see, Jesus knew the battle we were going to face was going to be greater than our ability to do it with natural gifts or natural wisdom or natural talent. That's why he said, I know that you've watched me for the last three and a half years, but I want you to go and tarry until you be endued with the power from on high that will cause you to move in the supernatural, that will cause you to be witnesses, which is undeniable, that it's something you can't do in the natural, that the presence of God has come and dwelt within you, where in the past the Spirit came on you, now it's going to be in you, and He's going to walk with you and talk with you and teach you and lead you into all kinds of things of the kingdom. And I'm going to tell you in 2021, if we ever needed a spirit-empowered church of the living God, full of faith and signs and wonders, it is in this time where the enemy is attacking faith. But I'm telling you that the church is stronger and greater today than it's ever been. It's growing and expanding. Come on. Amen. 2,000 years, and we still need the presence of God in greater ways. Now, I, I, I believe in structures and strategies. And I believe in great systems, but that does not take the place of the power because if you don't have the power of God, all you have is an organization. But God didn't tell us to build great organization. We are the body. We are an organism. Come on, somebody fitly joined together. And so I want to talk for a few minutes this morning about a kingdom reality that I believe is extremely important in the day that we live And I know uh, that this is a presence-honoring and presence-hosting house full of the Spirit of God. So I want to prepare you and help do something to position you for what I believe God is taking you. Because I do believe you're going to enter into a season of incredible harvest. I said an incredible harvest. Some of you have been praying for years for people that I believe God's going to save during this season. I I believe that miracles are going to break out. I believe there's signs and wonders and healings and miracles. Why? Because the world needs to see a church that's moving in things they can't explain away. Come on, somebody. And they have to say, oh, it has to be a miracle because there's no natural explanation. This house is made up of people of God who are anointed, appointed, and ordained for this time and this place. And so... My assignment today is to position you individually and corporately for what this new season is going to begin to be fruitful and what it's going to produce in your life. So I'm going to launch it from where Pentecost, where Peter is there on the day of Pentecost, and we know as he stood on the day of dawning of a new season, that's what it was. There was a shifting in the kingdom. It had moved from the law and then it moved into a dispensation or a time of Jesus coming and teaching the kingdom. That's why. When he began to speak, people said, we've never heard anyone speak like this because he was unlocking the kingdom in ways that had moved from legalism and religion into a relationship and life. Come on, amen? And so they said, I've never heard anybody talk like him. And we know that he was preceded by John the Baptist who began to prepare the way for the kingdom. He began to teach in such a way that prepare your heart for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then Jesus came. And one of the things that he identified him by on the shores of Jordan as he walked was he said there's the Lamb of God but then he also identified a, him as the one who will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire I baptize you in water but the one coming after me is greater than me and he's going to baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire and it's going to take you to a whole new level of living a whole new a whole new level of kingdom manifestation and so when we look at that, the day of Pentecost was a fulfillment of prophetic utterance that had been for hundreds and hundreds of years by prophets of old. And on, in Acts chapter 2, uh, it, he begins, it says, by, On the day of Pentecost, when it had fully come, they were all in one accord and in one place. I don't have time to unpack a lot of this, but please realize that unity is a precursor to a true move of God. The enemy will try to divide. He'll try to divide marriages. He tries to divide families. He tries to divide ethnicity. He tries to divide nations, and he tries to divide the church. But the more unified we come under the banner of Jesus Christ, the more blessings and power is released in the house. So don't let the devil divide you. Let him unify you and prepare you for a fresh outpouring. Come on, turn to somebody and say that was a bonus. That wasn't even in the notes. Go ahead and tell them. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. It filled the house, the whole house, where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divided tongues, cloven tongues as a fire. And one, each one had a fire brand on their head. And they were all, somebody say all. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And in that moment of outpouring, we know the church spilled out. It's very important that when the Holy Spirit comes in, that we move out. We don't sit and soak. Come on, somebody. Come on, amen. We don't sit around with four and no more and say, and wait on on Jesus, kumbaya. Come on, somebody. We got to move. The church has got to be moving. Come on, amen. You see, God's a heat-seeking missile. He got promises, but they're also... You've got to be in motion to receive it. Come on, somebody. You don't need an anointing if you're not going to share it. You don't need an anointing if you come in every Sunday and say, fill my cup. And he says, "What? Well, I feel it. I filled it last week. You ain't poured it out this week. Oh. Come on, somebody. Amen. If you'll notice, the spirit began to fall when she began to pour, and it didn't stop until all the vessels were full. Come on. Amen. The more you give away, the more God will get to you. If he can get it through you, he'll get it to you turn to somebody and say, that's tweetable or tattooable. <laughs> Shanda. And then because they were confused, because they had never seen God move that way, I believe God's going to move in this new season in such a way that it's going to amaze the world because they think they have us figured out, but you can't figure out God. God doesn't have to do it the same way. He'll do it a different way, but yet it's kingdom results. And so as they were questioning what manner this, Peter stood up and preached and I just want to highlight the 17th verse of Acts 2 where he says, quoting the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Somebody say all. All All flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I want to stop right there. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Not they may prophesy. I hope they will prophesy. He declared it that your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. We're coming into a season where sons and daughters and young people are going to prophesy and shift the culture not away from God but back to God. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. I I just want to talk for a few moments about the power of prophecy. I think many times we confuse the the spirit of prophecy with the gift of a prophet. And in that, we ne- uh, neglect what we really are all called to do. We know about the fivefold ascension gifts that you find in Ephesians. We know about the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. These are functions in the body, and the prophet has a powerful function. But this is talking about all flesh. Come on, somebody. He's talking about all believers, all that will call on the name of, of Jesus has the ability in the spirit when the spirit fills to begin to prophesy. And I want to declare that you and I maybe at times do not understand the power of prophecy because we mis- misdiagnose what's happening. And it, it, prophet is a prophecy is not just for the prophet, but prophecy is for you and I. I've already been prophesying in my introduction. I already, when I read scriptures, I prophesied over you. I began to speak your life into existence. Why? Because the word of God breathes on us. And and the Bible said God breathed the word into existence. And that's why he says it's alive, it's living. Because every time you read it, every time someone speaks it, it breathes on you. It breathes life into you. It breathes healing into you. It breathes purpose into you. Come on. He prophesies over us. and. And as we know, the Old Testament is in picture form, the New Testament is in principle form, and so as to understand what I'm talking about, I want us to look in Ezekiel chapter 37, the the story of the Valley of Dry Bones. In this story, the prophet Ezekiel had been living in Israel. We know about them being taken into bondage, how they were taken into captivity, and he was taken along with many, and there were still some left. And we know that he was born around 622 B.C. in Jerusalem, and That his father was a priest and so he was born around the things of God and at 25 years of age he was part of the second group of people taken into captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar he was taken out of Jerusalem and out of Judea and he was carried away into the land of Babylon into a to live as exiles and so at the age of 25 he's forcibly moved from his beloved homeland and there he is in exile with other believers other people that were the people of God and he was living Seemingly for God but in a foreign land. Sometimes we are seeing a culture shift and it seems like we're not living in a place that honors God like it used to. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? The enemy is trying to cause believers to live in even a foreign land that we don't recognize when... People don't want you to pray when people don't want to honor God. It it is not how I was raised. Even though I understand the kingdom is separate from America, I believe that we have been sent to change any place we go to. And as America, we're here to cause America to align with the word of God and the will of God and the power of God. And I believe that God has an assignment on America that's not over. Come on, somebody. And though it is not the kingdom, God says that he will use nations that call on his name. Come on, amen? And so he knew what it was to be in covenant with God, but yet live in a place that seemed foreign to be in covenant with God. And he believed, and he began to talk about that he believed that there was a change coming. He believed that one day that there would be a a regathering, that he would go back and the land would change and he would be be able to go home, that he would be able to go back and worship on Mount Zion. He looked forward to the day when he could go and begin to remember and walk the same place that was the promises to him and his fathers and his children. And and he believed that it was going to happen. And we find 11 years later in his exile in the year 586 B.C., he heard some absolutely devastating news. He heard that Jerusalem had been completely destroyed at that next wave of invasion, that the temple had been destroyed and that the city had been laid waste. And all his dreams seemed to be foreign now because now all the people had been taken and the city had been destroyed. And though his hopes and dreams of going home and their worshiping was destroyed, so he was in a time of dealing that his desires and the vision and the dream that he thought came from God seemed to be different than the reality he was living in. There seemed to be a disconnect from what God said to him and then what he was experiencing. And I don't know who I'm talking to, but maybe in your life you've heard the preaching, you've heard the promises of God, and then you look at your life and you realize that my marriage is not where I think that God said it could be. I I don't think my finances or my health or my community is where God said it could be. I just want you to know that you can't always believe what you see. You better learn to listen to what God says. Come on, somebody. And the Bible said in the year that he heard that report that destroyed his dreams and his hope, it was also the the same year that God gave him a vision. And in this vision, the Spirit of God came upon him and picked him up and carried him away and took him into this deep, dark valley. And he sat in this valley where we know it's the valley of dry bones. In Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 1, I just want to pull a few things out of it before we leave. It says, The hand of the Lord came upon me, he writes, and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord, and he set me down in the midst of the valley, and it was full of bones. I just want to say that even in the midst of exile, even in the midst of seemingly dreams that had died, seemingly that nothing was going the way he anticipated I just want you to know that the Lord in exile never left him. I'm telling you, even when it looks like culture is moving away from God, don't you ever believe that God moved away from you? God is still with you. He'll be with you regardless of what happens in Washington, regardless of what happens in Tallahassee. He's still your God. He's still your source. He's still your strength. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you, and he's still the God of your life. Come on, give him praise if you believe that right now. Give him some praise. I know that in my life there's times where I know God's given me a word or given something into my spirit, and then I'm facing situations or problems and it seems to be contrary to what the word of the Lord is saying. The report I get is not the same report that God is declaring and then I have to make a choice. Whose report am I going to believe? I choose to believe the report of the Lord. And so as we see, he's picking up by the hand of the Lord. The hand of the Lord was on him. I love that. The hand of the Lord was on him. If I didn't preach another word to somebody, that's all you need to know. The hand of the Lord is on you. Come on, amen. Verse 2, it says, Then he calls me to pass by the bones all around, and behold, there were very many in the open valley. Indeed, the bones were very dry. As he walked through this valley, he realized the bones were scattered all over, and none of the bones were connected. They were all separated, disconnected. It was a mess. It, it didn't even resemble a human body. As a matter of fact, it wasn't a skeleton laying on the ground intact. It was piles of bones, and even if you wanted to put bones back together, you didn't know what bone went to what skeleton. You didn't know where to put them. It was a mess. You didn't have the solution. You didn't know what to do, and he's asking and walking, and he's uh, assessing the situation. I believe it's a picture many times of the nation that we're living in, that there's a place that we have a, a, a place of valley of dry bones. This has been a place where there has been great revivals in America. I believe there's been great moves of God in America in our history, but yet we look at ourselves and many times on a national perspective, we seem to be spiritually bankrupt because we don't seem to be having the foundation that we used to have. It looks like spiritually that we're living in a nation full of dry bones where nobody really knows God and nobody knows what to do. It's such a mess and such disconnected and such division but I've just come to tell somebody you and I may not know what to do but God knows what to do. He knows where every bone needs to go. Come on somebody. And so as he was walking he was seeing the death of his dreams and he was looking at it and his picture was Manifesting exactly what he was feeling because it was a picture of an impossible situation. It seemed like the problem was bigger than anything that he could do. But it's also in that place that God allows us sometimes to get in places that we know are impossible to us because if we figure it out, sometimes we want to take credit for it. I can't get no help on this side. I'm coming over here. I said sometimes when we can fix the problem, then he don't get the glory. Sometimes... The problem has to get bigger that we know we have to come to God because until it gets so big that it's impossible, we keep trying to fix it with our own mind, with our own ability. And even churches try to fix communities, trying to work with a program or a system or a structure. But without the spirit, you and I are unable to transform a community or a life or a family or anybody. But in the Valley of Dry Bones, it was a place of dead dreams, a place of despair and hopelessness. And I love this because God then asked Ezekiel a question when he said, Son of Man, can these bones live? Now, we know he wasn't full of faith. As a matter of fact, he's depressed right. because the messages he's been preaching about going back and having worship, now it's gone it's, and it's destroyed. And so instead of telling God his true feelings, I don't believe we can do it. And yet he didn't have the faith to say, oh, I believe it. So what he said is, only you know, Lord. Have you ever got to a place where you are not sure what to do and when God begins to talk to you, sometimes the only thing you can say is, I just don't know, Lord. Come on, I know what you said, but I know what I'm going through. I. I know what you said, but I, I, I got the doctor's report. I, I know what you said, but I know what my family looks like. I, I know what you said, but I'm looking at my bank report. Come on, somebody. Amen. I, I, I know what you said, but look at our city. Look at the problems. Look at the issue. It looks too big. And sometimes when God's speaking, you just need to say, I'm not sure, but you know. That's right. That's right. Ezekiel, what's he saying? Ezekiel, you once had a dream. You had a covenant. You had a a nation in your heart, and you believe the people. You are the seed of Abraham. You the people of God, and and you believe that the temple, but now the temple's gone. Now you don't have faith, but what we have to realize, and this is why I've come to talk to you about, because the Old Testament teaches us in picture form what New Testament reveals to us in principle form. And so I'm talking still about the spirit of prophecy that was poured out on the people of God in the New Testament and yet it moved in different moments in the Old Testament that gave us insight to the power that the New Testament believer could walk in. So Ezekiel had a defining moment and he said, can the bones live? And he said, only you know, Lord. And then he said, prophesy to these bones, Ezekiel. And then he said, say to them, O oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Let me tell you, when you get into a situation, you, do, you have to recognize your identity. You see, the world is having identity crisis. It's having identity crisis about everything from sexual orientation to to uh, even even ethnicity crisis and, and who are you and identity crisis because the enemy is always after your identity. He attacked Jesus. That's why he said every time he tempted him, if you be the son of God, if you be the son of God. But Jesus knew who he was. That's why he said it is written. He had already settled his identity. I know who I am. You can't make me question who I am. And I've come to tell the church, And I've come tell the believers today when the enemy is causing you to question your identity, you're not really saved. You're not really a believer. You don't really have anything to offer. He's a liar. If his lips are moving, he's a liar. What you've got to realize is I am a child of God. I am bought with a price. It is not my perfection. It is his perfection. I've been called for this moment. I've been assigned to this place. I carry something that will shift The atmosphere, if you believe that, give him praise in this house. Come on, high five, three or four people and tell them you carry something. You see, problems come into our life not because God wants to hurt us, but God uses them to build us. God's not as worried about us, our convenience and comfort as he is our growth. See, we got to realize that sometimes Satan wants to be the umpire of your life. He wants to influence you to make decisions based on your involvement and based on whether you're in or out. You see, but in the Valley of Dry Bones, you better learn to prophesy to them bones. (laughs) You, you, you You see, in this situation, it wasn't a matter of Ezekiel's faith. It was a matter of Ezekiel's obedience. He didn't have the faith to believe that God was going to do anything with the bones. He didn't try to fake the faith, but what he did is he obeyed God. There's sometimes when you can't fake the faith, you got to just obey God. You don't feel like coming to church. You come anyway. You don't feel like worshiping. You offer him a praise anyway. That's what a sacrifice is. A sacrifice is when you don't feel it, he's worthy. He never shifted. He never changed. It ain't based on your situation. It's based on his position. He's worthy of my praise. Come on. Praise him in this house. Prophesy to the bones. Prophesy. To the bones. I, I love this he when he told him to speak, because when prophecy is actually the word of God declared. You see, prophecy is not necessarily predicting something in the future, it is giving God's word in the moment that he gives it. It's that Rhema. It's, it's that word that God gives at a moment of time that you need that shifts your world. Many times in the Valley of Dry Bones, when you're going through it, God gives you a word. Because we have to realize the power of the word. We, the enemy wants to minimize in your life the power of his word. You want to get sleepy? You can't go to sleep at night? You pick up the word of God. you get sleepy? Huh? You want somebody to t- take you to uh, lunch uh, and, and pay for it? Start a fast. You phone uh, My phone blows up. Ain't nobody called me in weeks. I decided to, I'm on fast today. Beaming. Hey Pastor, what you doing? I don't know. Go, devil, get behind me. Devil, get behind me. I don't need no barbecue today. Come on, if I if I'm lying, I'm dying. You you watch the devil move every time you try to move to God. He's trying to hinder you. You pick up the word, and all of a sudden phones ring and you get sleepy. You couldn't have been sleeping, you've been insomnia. You've been, but now it's like a sleeping pill. You can't even get up. Why? He wants to keep you away from the word cause if the word gets in your spirit it begins to shift your your paradigm it, it begins to shift your mind it, it begins to shift your heart and all of a sudden your identity begins solidified and you don't walk in fear your faith comes alive God saves us by causing our spirits to come alive when he breathes on us. Our spirits are joint heirs with Jesus. And in that moment of salvation, it's a beautiful thing when we repent. And in that moment, our sins are taken away. Our names written in the Lamb's book of life. We are elevated to sit with God in heavenly places in Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, all those things were the uh, the children of God, the sons and daughters of the kingdom. But yet, there is a disconnect many times between our spirit's position and our soul's condition. Hebrews says, For the word of God is living, alive, it's quick, powerful, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing, listen to me, many times we miss this, piercing even to the dividing or the division of soul and spirit. You see, the soul and spirit's hard to divide. Sometimes because our soul is that interior, it's our mind, will, emotions, our intellect. And our spirit is born again in a moment and our position changed. We go from sinner to saint. We go from separated to God to connected to God. We go from all this. But the Bible said, when you come in the kingdom, you come in as a child and you need to be renewed in your thinking. You see, and one of the things that we're one of the things we're doing in the body of Christ is we're dumbing down Christianity to make it a Cub Scout troop instead of an army. Mm, Shandai, I'm feeling God up in here. You see, what happened is it isn't about our entertainment or our comfort. It's not about us doing things that always please us. Church is about an equipping and taking a people that are children and raising them up into maturity that they become a force for the kingdom. And when they walk out the doors, they shift the culture, they shift the city, they shift the region, and the Spirit of God begins to explode over an area because the people of God know who they are and are moving in the power of God, not in the power of their flesh. So it divides soul and spirit. It helps us recognize our spirit's position. The Bible says in Second Peter, it says, Grace and peace be multiplied you, to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given us all. Somebody say all. all. Has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue. In other words, when you and I get saved spiritually, Jesus has paid the price and already given us everything we need for godliness. He's already paid the price. That's why he said it's finished. Sit down at the right hand of the Father and said, I've given it to you. Now grow up and walk in it. Get in the word of God and let the spirit of God that I'm sending you teach you all truths and let him renew your mind that you will know how to operate in the spirit in a fallen world. verse 5 it says Ezekiel that, that the Lord said to the, said, Lord God said, say to the bones surely I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live and I will not and I will put sinews on you and bring flesh upon you and I will cover you with skin and I'll put breath in you and you shall live then you shall know that I am the Lord when you're in the valley of dry bones and dead dreams God gives you a word as a matter of fact Psalm says that God has spoken it and he is given it to us even twice and the power to manifest it belongs to God when God speaks something into your heart listen to me that's why it's very important that you don't ignore what God says you've been praying about something and all of a sudden because many times we're praying for God to do something God fixed this situation God changed this situation. God healed this marriage. God healed my body. God saved my son. God minister to that finances. God saved my neighbor. God ministered to our community. We begin to talk all of those things, and it's good to pray. But then what God does is God downloads an instruction. It's not that God can't do it, but God is more involved in growing you and maturing you because we are in a training for reigning. Come on, somebody, we... You see, this life is only part of God's plan. The Bible said we're going to rule and reign for a thousand years. And if you want to prepare to, to rule and reign with Christ, he's in a boot camp now. And you've got to renew your thinking. And you've got to cast down vain imaginations. And don't be conformed to a lost world, but be renewed. that the Spirit gives you the Word of God and how to live and operate. You see, the world needs to hear what God spoke in your spirit. So he said, Ezekiel. Ezekiel, I need you to say this to this valley of bones. You know, I I noticed that in Amos, he said that God does nothing in the earth except he reveal it to his prophets. Why why does he reveal it to his prophets? Well, because according to Genesis, God gave man dominion and then then man lost it and Jesus came and regained it and then he said, I'm giving you back your dominion. I'm giving you back the keys, but you can't do it in your flesh. You got to do it in your spirit. Because he lost the spiritual connection. But Jesus, the spirit man, reconnected us to the spirit. So I'm putting you back into your position. That's what repentance does. It takes you back to that high place where you're a child of the most high God. And you represent God in the earth. And because he loves you and is wanting to train you, he reveals things to you. Not for you to sit on the revelation, but you to release the revelation and begin to declare it. You see, God is not doing anything in your life until you speak it. When God changes the name of somebody or changes the name of something, it's because it is a covenant purpose and he's expanding. It's prophetic and you've got, it's over and over in scriptures and yet we as believers miss the power of our words. When Abraham, when, when Abram was in covenant with God, it, it, mean, it meant that he was a father. It, it, it meant that he was going to be a father. Uh, uh, and, and we know that for 25 years, uh, and for his whole life they called him Abram and yet he had no children and it seemed to be a disconnect from what God said and to what he was he, he didn't seem to be manifesting it and then when he was obedient even to the place of offering his son God didn't shrink the covenant he enlarged the covenant and he changed his name to Abraham Abraham And that ah in the middle is actually another word for God. God said, I'm about to get in the middle of your situation. I'm I'm about to do what you can't do. I've been setting you up for this. And can you imagine his neighbor? His neighbors out there working in his petunias, his flowers. And Abram went by him and said, because God told Abram, he didn't tell everybody else. Somebody had to let him know his name changed. So Abram had to go around and tell people. Y'all been calling me Abram. I'm going to change my name. And the neighbors probably said, it's about time I've been calling you father. And you ain't got no kids for almost 100 years. About time it dawned on you. He said, no, my name's changed. It's Abraham. And it means multitude of father. I'm a father of multitude. I got expanded. I got promoted. Can you believe it? And he's like, that man is crazy. went back to. You see, but, but what happened is God will give you a word not based on your position, but based on where you're going, not where you act. at. you got to realize God's got a word for Cluiston, and it's not based on the problems now. It's based on what he's going to do in the future. He, he's got a word on your life, not based on you or where you sit right now, but what his will for you is in the future, and what you got to do is get an agreement. Hmm. In other words, every time somebody called him Abraham, they prophesied over it. See, new harvest is not just a name. I believe this name is prophetic. Come on somebody. It's not a catchy name for a church. It's a prophetic future. There's a harvest in this house, and there's a new harvest coming, and there's a new move coming. You see, sometimes we think when we prophesy, when we begin to declare the word of God, we have to prophecy is predictive in nature, but prophecy is a divine catalyst in its nature. It doesn't predict what was going to happen. In other words, when, when uh, God said, let there be light, it wasn't that he got a, a, a download on his iPhone that said, hey, there's going to be a light showing up, and he just predicted it. In other words, the Bible said when he said there let be light, there it caused light to appear, and light began. When Jesus was in the middle of a storm, he didn't look at his map and say, oh, it looks like a weather front is moving in, and it's going to be ending pretty soon. The Bible said that he stood on the bow of the ship and said, peace be still, and the winds and the waves had to obey. You have the power that Jesus had to cause change in your life. You don't have to wait on change. You need just speak it into existence. If you believe that, give God some praise at New Harvest today. Come on. Listen. When this stuff gets in my heart, I'm telling you, it changed the way I lived years ago. It says that here's what Ezekiel. So I prophesied. Ezekiel said, and I, as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and suddenly a rattling, and the bones came together, bone to bone. When I would preached this years and years ago and a number of years ago when God began to show this to me because he was getting me to begin to declare something that I couldn't see in the natural happening. And he was pushing me at a vision Sunday, probably five, six, seven years ago, to declare something that we didn't have the budget for. And he was pushing me to declare something that I didn't have the people in place for. And as I began to just get a word from God, get a word from God, and he took me back, and I began to read this, and and he said, I I want you to notice when the noise happened. So I read it again. I'm like, what What do you mean? I read it again. He said, did you read I? I told Ezekiel, but nothing happened. You see, the same words Ezekiel said, God said. But when God said it, nothing happened to the bones. They just laid there. Why? Because God was training him to operate in his office. He said, if you want to be an apostle, you're going to have to go to a new level of understanding what it is to be an apostle. You can't look through the filter of your budget. You can't look through the filter of your limitation. You can't look through the filter of what you see in the natural. I'm telling you that I'm taking you to a new place and you better learn to declare what I say. Don't try to figure it out. Just obey me. You see, we want to see God move and then we prophesy. Right? We want God to say and say, God, I'm going to prophesy, but can you at least put those two little leg bones together? Just let me know you're here. He waited on him. But the Bible said when he began to speak, then he heard a sound of bones coming together. Listen, this community, this city, and your life, is waiting on you to lift your voice and prophesy over your situation. You, you're going to release something. It's a kingdom sound. It's not a sound of the natural. It's not a sound of reasoning. It's a rhema word. It's a spiritual word. You release it in this moment because we need a move of the Spirit. It says, As I looked, the sinews in the flesh came upon them, the skin covered them, and there was no breath in them. And he said to me, Prophesy till the breath comes. And prophesy, Son of man, say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, come in the four winds, and as I did, breath came, and they began to live. So I prophesied as he commanded. You can come to the instruments if you would. You and I have got to bring the breath of God into a world that's dying. I'm not talking, I'm not talking to people with no power. I'm not talking to victims today. I'm tired of Christians acting like victims. Jesus took the cross and the damage and the, and the pain and, the, and, the, and all that the devil had to give and got up victorious, not as a victim, but as victorious. And he said, the same devil's coming after you, but I didn't cause you to live in defeat because I overcame. You can overcome. You better learn to use your weapon, and your weapon is your voice. Your weapon is to speak the word of God. You have been restored into the kingdom for such a time as this. Hallelujah. I want you to stand with me. It's not going to help me, but at least you need to stretch. (laughs) Verse 10. So I prophesied. And breath came into them. And they lived. And they stood upon their feet, an exceedingly great army. And then he said to me. Now listen to how he talked to him. He did not say Ezekiel. He said, son of man. These bones... Or the whole house of Israel. You'll dream of Israel being restored that you think is impossible. And it looks like they've been scattered. What you don't know is I'm planning on a restoration. And it may look impossible to you. And it may look impossible to the world. But I'm going to bring them back. And they're going to be a powerful, powerful army. We know about the restorations of history. But you see, I also know that we're living in a time where Israel is under attack. But what they don't know is the prophetic word says that though the enemies will come against them, that God will not let them be scattered again. America better stay on the side of Israel. I'm not saying they don't need to work on a deal. I'm not saying they don't need to work something out. But here's what I'm saying. You're not going to run them out. Because God said, now. Now I'm going to guard them. And when enemies come, they're going to die on the mountains around Israel because I'm not going to let them be moved again. Why? Because he's a covenant God. The same God that made the promise to them makes the promise to us. Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Our bones, they say, they say, the bones are dry and our hope is lost. Let me tell you something. You'll have people around because everybody has a they say. Everybody around here's got a friend. Come on, not a good friend. I call them crab friends. You know why? You know why crab friend? Because a crab. If you if you catch crabs, you don't even have to put a lid on the box. You just leave crabs there because every time one crab almost gets out, the other crabs pull him down. Boom! You ain't going nowhere. You got to be careful who your friends are. See, so you, you need friends that speak life over you. Amen. Amen. You, need, you need friends that reinforce who you are in Christ. Matthew says, Woe to the scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, because your whitewashed tombs would indeed appear beautiful outward, but inside you're full of dead man's bones. Oh, there's so many churches that are full of dead bones. There's no life. See, in this house, I've already felt it and sensed it. There's life. And people that walk through this door may not even understand it, may not have been raised in it, but you can't deny what you feel. I can't tell you the times that people come into Christ Central, and we have people, it's kind of a stadium seat, so you come through kind of a tunnel, and we have ushers that sit right there near there, and, and one of my elders sits there, and he said, it's funny because when people first come into the house, happens all the time they walk through the doors and when they get in there he said they look down and all the hairs on their arm are standing up and they don't even know what it is and somebody that brought them said don't worry about it that's the presence of the Lord you just walked up in his house you just walked up in his house I said you just walked up in his house and he's about to do something in your life he's about to shift your life He's about to make your dead dreams come to life. He's about to release a word over you and in you and about to shift this region, your life, your family. Come on, somebody. If you need a healing, you can have it. If you need strength, you can have it. Does anybody need anything from Jesus? I want you to raise your hand. If you really do, I want you to step out and just come stand around the altars and lift your hands. Come on, just come on. We're going to just, before we go, Come on, let's worship as you're coming. Come on, let's worship as they come. We praise
1: you. And all the earth will shout your praise, our hearts will cry.
0: God I said he's a great God can I tell you COVID didn't catch him by surprise can I tell you that nothing we face caught him by surprise because God uses problems to propel the kingdom into a new season every one of you are part of what was prophesied on the day of Pentecost you're the sons and daughters shall prophesy you have visions and you have dreams and the enemy is trying to make your visions your hopes and your dreams look like that valley of dead bones but what you've got to realize is who you are in God and nothing's over until God says that it's over and you just begin to stand up and you take the word of God and you begin to release what God said there's a sound coming yeah. from this house there's a sound Hallelujah. coming from this house. Hallelujah. The worship today was not just in this building. It's going into hey. the heavenly realm. There's angels gathered saying. around this place. Heavens are open and the glory is falling. Hey. And the move of God is in this place. If you believe it, give him praise. If you believe it, we begin to thank him for it. Lord, we declare it in this house. We declare the harvest.
1: We declare yeah. the breakthrough. It's your breath in our arms. So we pour out our praise to you only. is your breath in our arms. So we pour out our praise. We pour out our praise. It's your breath in our
0: lungs. So we pour out our praise to you only. I want you to put your hands on your belly Father, you've declared when the Holy Spirit came that from our bellies shall flow rivers of living water. And Lord, that is the prophecy of life. Father, though the world may be dying, the world may be in chaos, the world may be divided, Lord, let us be unified. Lord, there's one one Lord, there's one Spirit, there's one blood, there's one baptism. There's one people. Lord, we are not separated by ethnicity or skin color. Lord, we are only separated by those that are the children of God and those that are the children of creation. Lord, we are one people. Lord, we are one people washed in the blood with one Lord, one Savior, one King. And Father, we come to glorify you. And Father, we are the life givers. Father, I pray, Lord, that every dream, every hope, Lord, every struggle that the people may be going through individually, that today they recognize their identity. They are overcomers. Their bodies are being healed right now as they speak healing. Their marriages are being healed as they declare life. Their children are coming home as they began to declare prophetically that they are children of the Most High. They've been prayed over. We plead the blood over them. The devil has no place there. We pray for a community that you know every stronghold and every problem and every issue in this county. God, this is a lighthouse. This is an outpost of the kingdom. Let your glory fall. Let miracles and signs and wonders come along and confirm the gospel that is being preached. And, Lord, bring them from the north and bring them from the south and bring them from the east and bring them from the west. And let this new push, this new vision, this renewing and recasting, Lord, let them move into a place that the greatest days of this ministry is in the future. You have prepared us for such a time as this. I want you to turn and just stretch your hands out towards your pastors. Come on, just stretch your hands this way. Father, as we come to you, we thank you, Lord, for what revelation calls the angel of the house, yes, the messengers, porarabakora basita, yando roboyatabasando, yarraba kia to bosha, yor robosando robo kia taba ya, yor robosando rabakata, por arabashi, ishora bakando, porarabakata, porabakata. I declare there's a new well breaking. Yes. From the deep place. Oh, the Lord is breaking up some... New, new levels of water new new levels of vision, new new levels of insight, new levels of strategy, new levels of structure. the bones will come together and the spirit will fill it and life will come upon it and the church will move into a new place. Lord you're expanding the influence I sense God gathering and growing leaders all in this house for this is an apostolic house it's a resource for the region it's a a house that pours out it's a house that gives out it's a house that's a giving It's giving, it's giving, it's giving, it's giving, it's giving giving itself, it's giving its heart, it's giving sacrificially, and because of that there's going to be a multiplication of everything in this house. Leaders will multiply, money will multiply, miracles will multiply, buildings will multiply. Earlier when Pastor Mark was talking about tithing and open the windows of heaven God revealed to me years ago that that's a we think about heaven opening and things just falling in us but God what God revealed to me years ago was it was dimensions that he opens to us with solutions to problems that the world can't see It's like living in a room with all the walls, and you can't see even what's happening with the weather outside. And this is what people live in when they don't have a spiritual relationship and they're not givers. They live only being able to access what they see. And so when we got problems, we got to fix the problems with what we see, and it's limited. But when we're givers, when we're tithers, when we're in covenant with God, God said, I'm going to open you a window and you're going to see another dimension and you're going to see what you need. And there's a problem, but I see the solution. Now I'm going to open windows and it's going to be windows for finances. It'll be windows for growth. It'll be wisdom for building. It'll be wisdom to know what to do and when to do it. It is that Kairos moment of time that's dropping in this house. Because you've been faithful. Because you've been faithful, Chuck and Karen. You've You've been faithful. You've been faithful. And the seeds you've sown, and the seeds you've sown here and in the network and the bishop and to missions and to ministry, that does not go unnoticed in the kingdom. Sometimes you water and you plant and you water and you plant, and then all of a sudden in a compressed amount of time, God accelerates everything that you've been doing, and you have to stand back and say, oh, it had to be God. Father, we just take a moment and we give you praise. We thank you for this house. We thank you for the leaders. We thank you for what you're doing here and in the network. We're so glad to be covenant partners with this house and with these incredible leaders and these incredible people. I pray blessings. I pray favor. I pray your Lord, your spirit to flow in this house in a fresh way. We ask it in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on, give God a hang, clap, of praise.
1: It's your bread in our lungs, so we pour out our praise, pour out our praise. It's your bread in our lungs, so we pour out our praise to you. only. it's your bread in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. We pour.
2: Why not you just be seated just for a second today? I believe, I believe Pastor Lonnie was dialed in. What the Lord is saying to this house, amen? amen? What a word for this house. Wow. Several years ago, I just really began to lean into Pastor Lonnie and just pull on the anointing that was in his life. Just, I've been to Lake City multiple times to his church and i just seen the dynamic power of his church and the people there. And I just knew that if we could get him to Cluiston, he'd make a strong deposit into this house. I don't believe this will be the first and the last time that they'll be back. How many can just agree with me right there? I believe we ought to have him back if he'll come back. Just on a personal note, some of the things that Karen and I have been praying about and some of the leaders here know some of the things that we're getting ready to launch the church into. He just prophesied everything. And I was just thinking, even while he was preaching this morning, that he was talking about the power of prophecy. And just it kind of came up in me that how I many you know that prophecy is, is not God telling you what's about to happen? It's God telling you what's already happened. And it's just waiting on your agreement. It's just waiting on our agreement. Because how many you know that when you agree with God, then there's no difference between heaven and earth. And when there's no difference, that means there's no distance. So I believe that was a right now word for this house. I believe we're about to declare things that people can't explain. So that we can see things that people can't explain. Amen. So Pastor Lonnie, Pastor Tammy, thank you guys. Thank you. I I know the pull and the schedule of your life, partly, and and I know it's busy for you guys to take time out to come here. you you got a church of thousands of people that would have benefited from you guys being at home, but you guys are here today, and and we thank you for that. We really do. What I want us to do this morning, I mean, this is what we do here at New Harvest Church. We want to invest and what God has provided and made a way for. Us. So we want to receive an offering this morning. From Pastor Lonnie and Pastor Tammy, they don't make no demands. I promise you. He he made no demands. He just he just he just comes. But we want to invest in that anointing. And so if you need an offering envelope, you can raise your hands, Our ushers will be glad to assist you. And you can just make everything out at the New Harvest Church and then we'll get with them before they leave to go back home and give them everything that come in today and just bless them. How many believe we ought to be a blessing to this anointing? Amen. Amen. And you know this, we do this, How many know that the anointing is not for sale. You can't buy the anointing, there's not not an amount of money that you can put a price tag to to make the anointing that valuable. It's more than money. But the one thing that we get to do is we get to invest in it, because what you invest in is what you receive from. And today our hearts have been opened. The word of the Lord has come through our hearts today. So we just want to take a few moments and invest back into that anointing. And uh, just release that, that word so that it sticks to our heart. That's a word for this house. That's a now word. Because we're about to launch into some amazing things here in the next few weeks. And what gets me, it's like God always feel, uh, it always feels like God picks the most opportune time to launch something big. Why do we want to launch it in the summer? Why not do it in the fall (laughs) when everybody's here? But God just wants to let everybody around him know that he's not moved on clocks and calendars based on men. He moves by his purpose and his will. So today we're going to invest in that anointing. Amen? Come on, stand to your feet this morning. And and, uh, just, I, I I know you've enjoyed that word, but one more time, will you just... Give God a great big God bless you for Pastor Lonnie and Pastor Tammy for being here. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Amen. Amen. We're going to pray this morning, and uh, I, they're going to leave. I think they're going back maybe tomorrow. They're going to spend some time with, with Karen and I because we're, we're working through some leadership structural things, and Pastor Lonnie has just been helping us behind the scenes. And um, I, am, I am excited. <laughs> I am really excited about what's to unfold in this house. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we thank you. Lord, we thank you for the gift of God that you sent to New Harvest Church today. Lord, we thank you today, Lord, that you use Pastor Lonnie to pour into this house, to make a deposit into this house, Lord, that will stick. So, Father, we thank you this morning that as we take just a portion of what we have, what we give stewardship over. Lord, we just invest it back into that anointing, Lord, because we want to grow. We want to expand. And Lord, we want to keep the word of God that's alive. We want to keep it alive on the inside of us. So, Father, we thank you today for what you're doing. Lord, I bless every gift today. Lord, I bless every seed that is sown today. Lord, may it multiply. May it come back a thousandfold return back into the hands of your people. Lord, I thank you today. And Lord, I speak blessing, I speak prosperity over every home and over every house. And we give you praise for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. God bless you as you give today. Hug somebody's neck. Don't forget to sign up in the back.